It is Wednesday, the 30th of August. Let's begin this morning in prayer, praying the words of St. Thomas Aquinas. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Give us, O Lord, a steadfast heart which no unworthy affection may drag downwards. Give us an unconquered heart which no tribulation can wear out. Give us an upright heart which no unworthy purpose may tempt aside. Bestow upon us also, O Lord our God, understanding to know you, diligence to seek you, wisdom to find you, and a faithfulness that may finally embrace you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. It is a better way to start a Wednesday, the Sunrise Morning Show, here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, we'll talk to Dr. John Bergsma. Been doing an ongoing series with him on his book, Love Basics for Catholics. Father Rob Jack will discuss Psalm 139, a powerful psalm that uh, speaks pretty strongly to our relationship with God, and uh, we'll get into some of that with Father Rob. Gary Zimak concludes our series uh, that we've been doing with him on his book, When Your Days Are Dark, God Is Still Good, looking at biblical figures and how uh, their stories can relate to ours. And today we get to look at the example of Job, which sort of sums up all the difficult experiences in one guy's story. And then Amy Wellborn has some uh, end-of-summer short story picks for your Labor Day weekend. So... Stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Catholic Charities of Central Florida says they have supplies ready at local parishes as the state of Florida braces for Hurricane Idalia. Catastrophic storm surge and destructive winds are expected in Florida's Big Bend region throughout this morning as Idalia gains strength. More from Mark Mayfield. The National Hurricane Center says it's forecast to be an extremely dangerous Category 4 intensity when it makes landfall soon. That brings the possibility of catastrophic damage, structural damage, and uprooted trees and utility poles. Idalia has maximum sustained winds of roughly 110 miles per hour. I'm Mark Mayfield. All the students of a Catholic school in Lahaina are alive and accounted for three weeks after the deadly wildfires hit Hawaii. Sacred Hearts School burned down in the August 8th fire. Sacred Hearts Mission Church in Kapalua is now temporarily serving as school campus. About half of the students returned on Monday. The others moved away from West Maui after they were displaced by the fire. The Biden administration says it's sending Ukraine $250 million in military aid to help the country's forces fighting to drive out Russian troops. The package includes equipment to clear Russian minefields that have stalled Ukraine's counteroffensive. It also includes more ammunition for air defense to counter Russian drones and missiles. The Pentagon also sent Ukraine artillery shells and millions of rounds of small arms ammunition. 
Pope Francis has sent a message to French business leaders urging them to act on behalf of the common good. From Vatican Radio, Eduardo Garibaldi reports. The Holy Father noted that common good is the first word that comes to mind when thinking about entrepreneurs. They are defined as key players of development and well-being, as well as an essential engine of wealth, prosperity and public happiness. The media speak little of the difficulties and pain of entrepreneurs who close their businesses and fail through no fault of their own, Pope Francis wrote. Quoting the book of Job, instructive in stating that success is not the directly synonymous with virtue and goodness, and that misfortune is not synonymous with fault, striking even the just. On the contrary, the Church understands the suffering of the good entrepreneur, the Holy Father affirmed, recalling how from the very beginning the Church has welcomed merchants into her bosom. In the Bible and the Gospels, there is often talk of money, of trade, and among the most beautiful stories of salvation history, we also find stories that speak of economy. The Pope cited the father of the prodigal son in Luke's gospel, presented as a rich man, perhaps a landowner, or the good Samaritan, who could have been a merchant. According to Pope Francis, the way to participate in the common good today is by creating jobs, particularly for young people. Put your trust in young people, the Holy Father urged, adding that every new job created is shared wealth, which does not end up in the banks, producing financial interest, but is invested so that new people can work and make their lives more dignified. You are like Joseph, like Jesus the Pope said, who spent part of his life working as a craftsman. The world became a carpenter. Without new entrepreneurs, our herd will not withstand the impact of capitalism. So far, you have done some things. Some of you have done a lot, but it's not enough. We are in a urgent period, a very urgent period. We must, you must do more. The children will thank you and die with them, the Pope concluded. I am Edoardo Giribaldi. The number of job openings in the U.S. is on the decline. New government figures show less than 9 million openings in July, indicating the labor market is cooling. The number of workers who quit their jobs fell to 3.5 million, which is the lowest since early 2021. Professional and business services, healthcare, and state and local government saw the biggest decrease in job openings last month. And sky gazers make it to see a rare Full super blue moon this evening, the second of two August supermoons. This one will be the closest full moon to the Earth's surface at just over 222,000 miles away, according to Earth Sky. The moon should rise just before 8 p.m. Eastern with the blue moon at its brightest around 930. It was looking pretty big and bright this morning as I drove into work, Matt. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I always love, I love when the moon looks so, I mean, it's just, it's so cool to see it. Like, it just looks so big. As long as it's a moon and not a space station. Yes. I don't want the space station to look as big as the moon does. Although, I mean, I guess if the space station looked that big, it would mean that it was about 222,000 miles away. So just don't swear by it. I mean, that thing is inconstant. I can't believe I just even snickered at that. But that was good. <laughs> All right, you win this round, Matt. I got that one. You win this round. You got me. I must be a little too tired today. I got you. <laughs> Congratulations. 
Oh, man. Today is Wednesday, August the 30th. It is the Feast of St. Jean Jugon. Pray for us. It's eight past. Dr. John Bergsma back with us on the Sunrise Morning Show. We've been going through his book, Love Basics for Catholics. Good morning, Doc. Good morning, Anna. So we are continuing to unpack the Song of Songs and today getting kind of a better understanding of how this can be seen as as a metaphor for the love between God and and Israel and then by extension for the church. So, um, well, before we get to the Song of Songs itself, can you remind us the land is a huge theme throughout the entire Old Testament, is it not? It is indeed, all the way back to uh, Genesis 12, um, where God first calls Abraham and tells him to go to a land that God will show him. It takes a big, big act of faith, you know, to head off to some place where you don't know and just have the Lord say, hey, I'll, I'll let you know when you get there. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, Lord, give me a little more specific. I'd like to. I'd like to put that on way, uh, ways, you know. <laughs> yep. But uh, but he goes off, and um, yes, so he comes into the promise of the possession of the land of Canaan, uh, which we know as the Holy Land, and you see that in the Song of Songs that the, the funny imagery where her uh, eyes look like the pools of Heshbon, and she's compared to. Uh, you know, Mount Carmel and, um, you know, the Tower of Lebanon and these different things. These are, these are just uh, prominent uh, landmarks within the promised land. And one of the dimensions of the song is that, in, in one sense, the bride is the land of Israel, is this um, uh, promised, uh, you know, uh, in, in a way, in, in the Bible, the, the, the promised land is a kind of Eden, a kind of Garden of Eden. But uh, the garden and the bride are, are very s- closely associated, and oftentimes the song will speak as if the body of the bride is a garden. Yeah, this is super interesting to me. You've got a handy little list here of uh, the various spots in Israel, the various landmarks in Israel that are mentioned here. The plain of Sharon in the north, the slopes of Gilead east across the Jordan River, the Tower of David in Jerusalem, the territory of Lebanon in the north, the wealthy cities of Terza, is that how you pronounce it? Yep. Terza in the north and Jerusalem in the south, the pools of Heshbon, as you mentioned, in the land of Jordan to the east, the Tower of Lebanon in the north near Damascus, Mount Carmel on the western seacoast. What are we to make of all of that? Well, we're to make that um, God's covenant promises are sure. He made a covenant with the ancestor of the people of Israel that uh, that they would come into the possession of this land. And under their great leaders like Joshua and Solomon, they possessed all of these uh, places. Those were the boundaries in the east, west, north, and south. And uh, so God's covenant promises are Sure. And uh, ultimately, you know, this is going to point forward to um, to the Church, and the Church is given not just the land of Israel, but even more expansive. Um, you know, at the end of Matthew, uh, our Lord sends the Twelve, who are like twelve new patriarchs of a new Israel, not just out to the land 
of, uh, of Canaan or the Promised Land, but, you know, out into all the world to make disciples of all nations. And so now Jesus Christ and the Church lay claim to all seven continents, and the whole globe can become a Garden of Eden because the Tree of Life, which is the Eucharist, and the River of Life, which is baptism, are extended everywhere throughout the globe, everywhere where there is a Catholic Church. It's really incredible. So then, looking at the Song of Songs again, how do we see God as the beloved bridegroom? Indeed. So the beloved, of course, the word for beloved is David in Hebrew. And we can see that there's this theme that we're all very familiar with from the prophets like Hosea and Isaiah of God as husband and Israel as wife. But oftentimes in the Bible, uh, the Davidic king or the son of David as sacred king, he was kind of a stand-in for God, and he represented uh, God's what you might call husbandly or, or bridegroom nature. And so we see, for example, in Second Samuel 5, when David first becomes king of Israel, they come to him, and the, the Israelites come to him and say, we are your bone and flesh, echoing the words of Adam and Eve's relationship from Genesis 2. And um, Psalm 45 portrays the son of David as this very desirable bridegroom, all dressed in wonderful robes and smelling great with all kinds of uh, cologne, as it were. Mm -hmm. And uh, it even refers to him as God at one point. It says, your throne, O God, shall endure forever. And that's kind of provocative, but it's anticipating, of course, a time when the son of David, the king, is actually going to be God and going to be our bridegroom. And when we see Jesus wrapped in robes of linen and, and smothered in, in the cologne of myrrh and aloes in, uh, in John 19 and laid in the womb of the earth in the holy sepulcher at his death, we recognize that, oh, Jesus now is the one greater than Solomon, the most desirable bridegroom who's giving his body for his bride, the church. We'll leave it there and uh, look forward to the next time when we discuss the Song of Songs and the Temple of the Body, which uh, yeah. is another super interesting insight into the Song of Songs that you can read about in Love Basics for Catholics, which you can find linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. We've been talking to Dr. John Bergsma. Doc, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to you next time. All right. That sounds good to me. Quarter past, let's take a look at weather across the nation. Of course, Hurricane Idalia, the big news today, expected to make landfall around mid-morning, somewhere along the Big Bend region of Florida as a Category 4. Areas along the Big Bend and Florida's Sun Coast should brace for potentially devastating storm surge and, of course, hurricane-force winds. Areas farther inland, including northern Florida and even southern Georgia, should prepare for damaging winds and power outages as well. Storm surge and high winds aren't the only concern as rainfall amounts across parts of Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina may amount to five plus inches heading into the overnight hours. Looking elsewhere in the country, a cold front sweeps through the northeast and mid-Atlantic by midday, bringing some morning showers across those regions. The only other places that could see rain today are the northwest, where a low pressure system will be moving through, and the desert southwest, 
as monsoonal moisture triggers afternoon thunderstorms. The rest of the country will see sun and quiet weather. 16 past. We're back with headlines right after this. It's the Sunrise Morning Show. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. Get an insider's look at the latest information from EWTN. Sign up for WINGS, EWTN's weekly email newsletter. Get the latest information about live events, special features, and guests. Connect with EWTN on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Just go to EWTN.com and click on the WINGS link to sign up. Don't miss a minute of all that's happening at EWTN. Get your WINGS today. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Catholic Charities says they have supplies ready at local parishes and Catholic schools in the Diocese of St. Petersburg are closed today as Florida braces for Hurricane Idalia. All students of a Catholic school in Lahaina have been accounted for three weeks after the deadly wildfires there. And Pope Francis has sent a message to French business leaders urging them to act on behalf of the common good. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell, as you know, the Sunrise Morning Show is your source for Catholic perspective on news, weather, sports, and more. And speaking of sports, uh, came across my feed. I don't know if you saw it, uh, but Sister Jean turned 101. Well, she's 104. Four. Threw out the first pitch at Wrigley Field on Monday night. Oh, did she? I didn't see that. That's awesome. At 104 years old. I saw it was her birthday, what, a week or two ago. Yeah, so she went out there um, in a wheelchair, obviously, Mm -hmm. uh, still. I mean, she's been in it for a while, but uh, she did the Bugs Bunny wind-up and then an underhand softball throw. Oh, nice. Perfect. So I don't know how I'll be feeling at 104, I don't know if I'll make it even halfway there because I'm not even halfway there at the moment. Uh, but if I've still got the Bugs Bunny wind-up, mm-hmm. that'll be impressive. Oh, I can't wait to see this video. So, yeah. Uh, but Sister Jean's still out there, still throwing. Um, it's pretty cool. She's awesome. She's so awesome. 
So there you go. Now, now of course, they did scoot her up a little closer to the plate. But at 104, I feel like they should be allowed to scoot you up a little okay, closer to the on. plate. I'm trying you shouldn't to have to throw up. the full. Sister Jean first pitch. You shouldn't have to keep your toe on the rubber for the ceremonial first pitch at 104. What jersey was she wearing? Can you I tell? think she might have been wearing Loyola. Loyola Chicago. Oh, it said Sister Jean 104. It was a Cubs Oh, it's jersey. a Cubs jersey that says Sister Jean 104 on it. Okay. Sorry, I think she's wearing like a like a maroon Loyola Chicago hood in the mix there. Oh, neat. Neat, neat, neat. Well, there you go. Congratulations to Sister Jean. Anytime we oh, can get I'm just pulling. Sorry, us. I'm not talking because I'm just pulling up the video oh, and like, enjoying it. I don't want to talk to you anymore. I'm going to watch this. Very Jean. adorable. Oh, my gosh. Well. What mascot was receiving her pitch? I, I know this is not, I'm not doing this to promote the Cubs. <laughs> Only Sister Jean. That was 21 minutes past the hour. Back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. Hello, this is Father Mark Watkins, pastor of St. Lawrence. Pray with me now the praises of Mary by St. Anthony of Padua. The praises of Mary. Oh, how wondrous is the dignity of the glorious Virgin. She merited to become the mother of him who is the strength and beauty of the angels and the grandeur of all the saints. Mary was the seat of our sanctification, that is to say, the dwelling place of the Son who sacrificed himself for us. And I shall glorify the place where my feet have stood, the feet of the Savior signify his human nature. The place where the feet of the Savior stood was the Blessed Virgin Mary, who gave him his human nature. Today the Lord glorifies that place, since he has exalted Mary above the choirs of the angels. That is to say, the Blessed Virgin, who was the dwelling of the Savior, has been assumed bodily into heaven. Amen. Twenty-three minutes past the hour, you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. So happy to have you along with us today. Father Rob Jack back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is host of Driving Home the Faith on Sacred Heart Radio here in the Cincinnati area. He sits in my chair in the afternoon hours. Good morning, Father Rob. Morning, Anna. Actually, I sit in my chair. I move your chair out of the way and put mine in there. Oh, okay, well, that's fair enough. You sit in the same <laughs> location. spot, location. Yeah, we share a computer. We share resources. But you're right. We do have different chairs. 
years. That's true. That's a good point. Well, we are going to be reflecting this morning on Psalm 139, a rather famous psalm. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and, and known me. What kind of knowledge is David talking about here? Well, he's talking about a different kind of knowledge than we see being used against us today. You've noticed this. If you Google something, or let's say you look up, you want to look up something on children, you know, on one of your kids, and all of a sudden you look it up, and then you forget about it and go on. But every ad you're going to come up with on the computer, and any other thing you look at, it's going to be dealing with that. So the omniscient artificial intelligence or the search engine will take that what you have put in, and it thinks it knows you. And so it'll say, well, since she's so let me put this ad up, and let me put this ad up, and all mm-hmm. these kind of things. And doesn't it drives you crazy after yes. a while, doesn't it? Oh yes, it does. Well, when we see what the psalmist does with 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 David in Psalm one thirty nine, it, it's a beautiful psalm of reflection on just how close God is to us. And God does not seek to offer us any harm. God does not want to sell us anything. God doesn't want to plant anything in our minds. Rather. God's grace, it says very clearly, you know, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, the abode of the dead, you're there. And we see this go on time and time again. He says, if I dwell on the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and my right hand shall hold me. So the closeness of God, the care of God, is something that we can put great trust in. Yeah, I wanted to look at verses 11 and 12, which comes right after what you were were just quoting there, Father. If I say, let only darkness cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Of course, we know from from the letter of John that God is light. Um, But isn't it so true for so many of us that there are points when we just want to hide from God in darkness? And that's because we don't really understand the Lord. We hide from Him. That was the first thing Adam and Eve did after their sin, and so we recognize because of what we have done, we don't want God to know about it. Well, guess what? He knows. <laughs> and the question is then, what's our response? Our response is to be penitent and ask for mercy. And, you know, the very last line in Psalm 23, or Psalm uh, verse 23, says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. God is constantly the one who is helping us discern what is of Him. And that closeness is not something that we should fear, but rather it's something we should invite. And that's why Psalm 139, in many ways, gives us the model of true prayer with God and true trust in God. Yeah, you know, I wanted to ask you about the end of this psalm because, you know, it's all about how these beautiful poetry from the psalmist about God knowing us and where can we flee from him and you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. And then it's like, oh, that you would slay the wicked, oh God, and that men of blood would depart from me, men who maliciously defy you, who lift themselves up against you for evil. And I was thinking, you know, sure, 
that reads as as human enemies, those who were going after um, going after you know as soldiers and 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 the like. Israel, but, yeah. But could we also read that as as spiritual enemies, asking God to to slay our sins, essentially? Well, not just our sins, but the the evil that seeks us. You know, we know we're tempted all the time, and the evil spirits and the temptations that come to us. And that, and that's why he says, God, know me and know where I am, and then help me stay on the right path. Again, this is a psalm besides praising God for his goodness and his uh, omniscience and his omnipresence. It's his great love for us. And that because he knows us so well, there is nothing we can hide from him. And that shouldn't make us paranoid. Oh, no, God knows everything. Yes, he does know everything, but he doesn't do that to punish us. He does that to raise us up, and because it's a very different attitude than today. And as I said, with all the technology we have today, we, we say artificial intelligence knows us better than we know ourselves. The artificial intelligence only knows what we tell it. God knows beyond what we tell it. God knows the truth. And in that sense, he's someone we should not fear as giving us punishment. Rather, he is someone we should invite in to show us the real path to him. I was going to say, if he knows us better than anything, if he knows us completely, then I don't know, he probably, <laughs> well, I was going to say, he probably knows what's best for us, doesn't he, Father? Well, it's, it's his will be done. And so he knows his will for us. And of course, we know from Scripture, his will from us is our holiness as well as our, our salvation. And he knows the path. And he gives it to us if we listen to him. And Psalm 139 is really the psalm of a soul that is so attuned to God. It's not afraid of the Lord, but rather he welcomes, uh, we welcome God every day into our life. And we find in that some peace. We find in that a real sense of uh, order and how we are to live in this life to get ready for the life to come. Beautifully put. We've been talking to Father Rob Jack. He's host of Driving Home the Faith on Sacred Heart Radio in Cincinnati. If you'd like to listen to him, download the Sunrise Morning Show app through our website, and uh, you can listen live from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Father Rob, thank you so much. I promise I won't sit in your chair. I don't want to break it. (laughs) You bet, Father. No worries. I'm not sitting in your chair either, which looks way comfier than mine. All right. (laughs) Have a good day, Father. All right, it is half past the hour now, and it's time for news. Catholic Charities says they have supplies ready at local parishes as Florida braces for Hurricane Idalia. While their clinics will be closed today as the storm makes landfall, the organization says supplies like ready-to-eat meals, water, and tarps will be available at at least two local parishes starting tomorrow morning. Catholic schools in the Diocese of St. Petersburg were closed yesterday, and today the diocese anticipates schools reopening tomorrow. Meanwhile, FEMA is preparing for Hurricane Idalia as the storm is set to make landfall this morning. Trey Thomas reports. FEMA Administrator Deanne Criswell said personnel and resources are being deployed to Florida, Georgia, and South Carolina. The president quickly approved an emergency declaration in advance of the storm in Florida, turning on the many tools that are available at my disposal to provide the governor any support or resources he may need.
Chriswell warned residents to take the storm seriously. She said high winds are expected and up to 12 feet of storm surge could hit the Florida coastline. I'm Trey Thomas. All the students at a Catholic school in Lahaina are alive and accounted for three weeks after the deadly fire. Sacred Heart School burned down in the August 8th wildfire. Sacred Heart's Mission Church is now temporarily serving as the school campus. About half of the students returned on Monday. The others moved away from West Maui after they were displaced by the fire. The Biden administration says it's sending Ukraine $250 million in military aid to help the country's forces fight to drive out Russian troops. The package includes equipment to clear Russian minefields that have stalled Ukraine's counteroffensive. It also includes more ammunition for air defense to counter Russian drones and missiles. The Pentagon also sent Ukraine artillery shells and millions of rounds of small arms ammunition. The Vatican has released the video promoting the Pope's prayer intention for September, which is dedicated to people on the margins of society. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. Let us pray for those people on the margins of society in subhuman living conditions that they may not be neglected by institutions and never be cast out. In the Pope video produced by the Pope's Worldwide Prayer Network, he reflected on the indifference endured by many people who are marginalized. A homeless person who dies on the street will never appear among the top stories of search engines or newscasts, he lamented wondering how our societies could have reached such a level of indifference. Pope Francis attributed this indifference to a throwaway culture in which millions of men and women are worth nothing compared to economic goods. He said our necks are going to get stiff from looking the other way so that we don't have to see this situation. The Pope then urged everyone to pay attention to people who face marginalization, even if it results from poverty, addictions, mental illness, or disability. In response to such indifference, he held up a culture of welcoming, of providing shelter, of giving a home, of offering love, and of giving human warmth. And Pope Francis concluded by inviting every Christian to pray for those people on the margins of society. According to the UN, over 10% of the global population, or 700 million people, live in extreme poverty. Reports from the World Health Organization say that one out of every eight persons lives with a mental disorder. In a press release from the Pope's Worldwide Prayer Network, the prefect of the Dicastery for Promoting Integral Human Development echoed the Pope's prayer intention, inviting us to have hearts of flesh and not of stone. Welcoming is more than helping, said Cardinal Michael Cherney. It means putting the other person at our level, rediscovering a sister or a brother whom we have lost. I'm Devin Watkins. The number of job openings in the U.S. is on the decline. New government figures show less than 9 million openings in July, indicating the labor market could be cooler, cooling. That's the news. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN Radio. It's 35. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. 
And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. It is a difficult thing to have an exact idea of one's goal. But it is likewise true that all of us must perfectly pinpoint the virtue we are aiming to acquire. However, if we cannot do this, we must not lose courage or get upset. We must get as close to the goal as possible, because even the saints did not succeed in doing any more than that. Only our Lord and the Virgin Most Holy fully succeeded. Never believe the praises of people. At the very best, what they say is flattery, even if they do not recognize it as such. For Sacred Heart Radio, I am Father Chris Armstrong. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Gary Zimak from followingthetruth.com. We've been going through his book, When Your Days Are Dark, God is Still Good. Gary, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So the whole purpose of this book is to look at biblical figures and the difficulties they've faced and what their stories can tell us about uh, how God looks out for his people despite all the crazy things that might go on in their world. Now, when you wrote this book, did you think— I got to lead with Job or I got to finish with Job because you got to do one or the other, right? Exactly. You know, Matt, it's interesting because when this book was being proposed and I was having discussions with the publisher, the one piece of instruction, the one piece of advice that I got from my editor was don't include Job because everybody expects you to use Job in this book. So just, I would not include Job. But, you know, Matt, the more I prayed about it and the more I gave it thought, like you said, I, I realized Job had to be a part of this book. And, you know, one day I remember taking a walk, just trying to just say my prayers, talking to the Lord, trying to figure out what should be in the book and where it should go, you know, coming up with the table of contents. And, and I realized that Job, the story of Job was that, had, first of all, had to be included. But I thought it was the perfect way to end, because no matter how powerful these stories are, no matter how many times... I would look at biblical figures in the Bible and illustrate how God conclusively, according to the Bible, worked good in bad situations. I, I came to the realization that somehow, someday, somebody was going to read all these stories and say, you know what, that's still not good enough. I'm still not feeling it. And I think the story of Job gives us hope in the midst of that type of situation, because despite all the bad things that happened to Job. You know, he accepted them in the beginning. He said, all right, 
God gave me things. He can take them away. It's all up to him. I'm good with it. The more the story of Job uh, played out and the more suffering he went through and the more his friends tried to convince him that he did something wrong and he's the cause of this, eventually Job got frustrated. And he asked that question that gets so many of us in trouble. Why, God? Why me? What did I ever do to you? And in the end, God took his time, but he answered Job with a series of questions of his own. Ultimately, God said to Job, hey, Job, I'm God. You're not. You're never going to understand everything that I do. And Matt, that was good enough for Job. And I think for some of us, we're going to be in that situation where these stories, they just don't do it for us. There'll be that one situation where it's like, ah, I still don't see it. I still can't accept God working. If we look at the story of Job, what happened to him, hopefully we can come to that conclusion someday that it's okay. It's okay if I don't understand everything because God is trustworthy, and I'm going to trust him no matter what. You know, what's interesting about the story of Job is it does not tie it all up with a neat little answer at the end, right? That right, you can right. sort of <laughs> you know, turn right. out and package for your friends and be like, hey, here's why evil and suffering exists. Here's a handy Bible verse to help you just figure it all out. Essentially, yeah. the book of Job is all these horrible things happen to Job, and Job says to God, I do not understand. And God, in like a powerful several chapters worth of unloading, says, no, Job. You don't understand, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think that some of us, I mean, those of us who are parents can kind of get this on some level in a very sort of microcosmic level. Like, how many times have you done something or had your kids do something, and they're like, but why? And you're like, mm-hmm. I could explain it to you, but we don't have time for it right now, and it wouldn't make sense. And even if you did hear why we're doing this this certain way, you might still not get it. Just do what I say, okay? Right. Just do what right. I say. <laughs> it's the it's kind of where some of the because I said so stuff comes from, but in a very real way, there are reasons beyond what we're able to even tell our kids when we t- are talking to them when they're very small. Sometimes they just need to understand we know what's good for them, and we're trying to help accomplish that good, and we can't explain everything right now. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I think you hit on the key right there. The, the, the key of this whole process of being able to say, yes, God can work for good in any situation, including what I'm going through now, is to focus on the character of God and getting to know him personally and realize that he is trustworthy and he is looking out for what's best for me. I don't have to understand it. But what I have to understand is that God loves me and that he's bigger than my problems and that he's with me. And if I do that, like Job did, that, that'll be good enough. And, you know, Matt, one thing, uh, one point I want to make about this whole uh, this story of Job, throughout the book of Job, Job's speaking a lot to God. He, they, they are having a dialogue, and, uh, you know, God is not answering at all. He's not saying a word until the 38th chapter of the book of Job. didn't respond to him at all, but when he did respond... As you read his questions, I think that there's, there are over 50 questions that Job asked God when he did begin speaking. What God is saying in his, in his dialogue, when you listen to his words, he's repeating some of the things that Job said to him. So when we look at it, all along, God was listening to Job. And the fact that he wasn't answering him doesn't mean that he wasn't listening. I think, I think therein might lie the lesson for many of us. 
Sometimes we think, well, God's not hearing my prayers. Well, he's hearing them, but he doesn't, doesn't always feel the need to respond. And I think we can learn something from that. And, you know, that's what faith is all about. We're given the gift of faith when we're baptized. And throughout our life, we're given these occasions where we're, we're asked to use, use our faith. If we had all the answers, faith wouldn't be necessary. Uh, I don't always like that, but I've grown closer to God because of the times when I have to trust Him. Well, Gary, I am uh, embarrassed to admit that in less mature phases of my spiritual life, I have looked at Job's situation and thought to myself, man, this this is like me, man. This is like everything yep. is going wrong in my life, just like yep. Job. In fact, uh, Job's situation is significantly worse than anything I've ever been through. <laughs> um, yeah. But at the yeah. same time, I know that right now there are people who lost almost everything in Maui, right? There are yeah. people who are in the process of losing everything right now in Tallahassee. And yeah. when I read Job, it may not apply to me in every aspect right now, but it reminds me to pray for the people who are in those situations right now, people in Nigeria who are losing everything because they are trying to follow Christ in a place where there is great hostility to their faith. People all over the place who are suffering so much worse than I am and just trying to understand, you know, how do I pray for them that they will get the comfort and consolation that Job gets from God here in some mysterious way? I mean, to me, Job is more of a book that causes empathy in me for others than it— well, it, it used to be something that I just used to soak in my own misery while I read, and now it's sort of yeah. expanded me a little bit, I would say. Matt, you know, that's a great point. That's a great point, and I, and I totally concur with what you're saying. That sometimes when, uh, when we are going through something, whatever it is, we do get a little self-absorbed. We, we turn inward. I, I'm very guilty of this, so you're not alone there. Um, but this does remind us that we do need to pray, and there's something we can do for those who often we feel we can't help. Uh, praying for people who have lost everything and who, like you said, are in the process of losing everything, or or just are in a hopeless situation and don't know how they're going to make it through the day. That's important, and and I really appreciate you saying that. That's a great reminder. Well, we're praying for you, uh, whether your situation is Job-like or whether you got a paper cut, right? (laughs) No matter what it is, if it's happening to you, it feels pretty big. Uh, And so uh, just praying for God's hope and peace and consolation. Uh, Gary, your book is called When Your Days Are Dark, God Is Still Good, Biblical Advice to Help You Trust in difficult times, and a great reminder to pray for the people, especially this morning in, in Tallahassee uh, with the hurricane coming through. Gary, if our listeners want to connect with you, how do they do so? Matt, the best place is to go right to my website, followingthetruth.com. Linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks, Gary. Have a great day. All right, my friend. Thank you. All right, 14 till. Amy Welburn joins us next. The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage, sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation, will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all-day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, resuscitation of the rosary, a fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, 
Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonrisemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. Hey Alexa, how many ways can I get EWTN? You can get EWTN on television, via cable and satellite, on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, and Google Play. You can get EWTN radio in your car on Sirius XM Channel 130 and on the go on any mobile device with the EWTN app. And here's the best news. Now you can get EWTN's great programming on me. Tell us how you prepare to go to confession. Share your story today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie on most of these EWTN stations. And now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Amy Wellborn. You can find her blog, Charlotte Was Both. It's got all kinds of great reflections that span everything from current events to literary explorations. Amy, good morning. Good morning, Matt. I mean, I love the tabs at the top of your book, your your blog. It's like uh, books, travel, homeschooling, sex and gender. I mean, that's pretty much it. <laughs> I mean, this is... Uh... I'm all over the place. Yeah, I need to, you know, I probably should take the homeschooling one down because I don't homeschool anymore because everyone's gone. Everyone's in college, but I, it's there as a reference. Some, I figure there are people who go into the same uh, agonies and struggles as I did, so keep it up there. Well, you know, your scars are important, and uh, they can help others. Uh, <laughs> That's right. That being said, uh, you know, there are a lot of people who are looking for literature for homeschools, but there are also a lot of people who meant to read books this summer. And uh, I don't know about you, I take books on vacation with me, but uh, whoever thinks that summer reading can get done when you're driving eight hours, it's just not going to happen, right? Or, uh, (laughs) you know, all the things that that happen. But we're going to take a different angle because we've got a long weekend coming up, and the short story is a feasible thing that some of us could do. Uh, I mean, what do you think about the idea of short stories now? Because I don't see as many of short story collections as I feel like I used to see when I was a kid. No, we don't. And, I mean, I think television um, and, of course, the Internet, but television has taken the role that short stories used to play in American culture. Um, they used to be, um, you know, popular magazines, not just literary magazines, but popular magazines like the Saturday Evening Post and women's magazines like, you know, Good Housekeeping and all of that kind of stuff regularly featured regularly, in every issue, short stories that were written by, you know, not just scribblers looking for, you know, to be paid by the word, but by, you know, literary figures, um, established writers. And so, um, and then, you know, short story collections were all, were often very good sellers. And um, 
so as I said, I think a lot of that, you know, power has been taken by the fact that not as many people read as much, but also, you know, just financial, economic concerns in publishing as well as the role of television in our kind of our entertainment landscape. But that popularity of Catholic of short stories extended to the Catholic world, the specifically Catholic world. Um I recently on my blog I featured some mid-century and even re- more recently um, collections of specifically um, Catholic short stories that I thought were very interesting. None of them are in print anymore, of course. Of course, uh, they're but not. You, <laughs> no, I mean hardly anything's in print. Uh, again, we go back to the economics of publishing, um, but you can still find them. I mean, you can find them through your library if you have a good library system that hasn't tossed all of its books um or you can find them online uh and on various sites like archive.org that archive books that you can quote check out for a period of time on the internet so as i said i recently featured a number of those collections that uh, i thought were very interesting and would all have you know good short stories that are great for weekend reading. Well, it used to be a great thing to um, to actually discover novelists as well. You know, you like the short yeah. story, you pick up their novel. Um, you know, Flannery O'Connor is kind of the prime example of this, but also, you know, some others. Uh, you've got a few recommendations for somebody who just wants to pick up a short story. Uh, and sure. you start the list with Flannery O'Connor. Of course. And, you know, it's kind of, people are like, oh, of course, Flannery O'Connor. Well, but you live in the South, and so, yeah. like, you know. And I'm a fan, and, you know, you have to. Uh, and she's, you know, very, very important. And uh, uh, I will say for, to listeners to look out for maybe, or I don't know in what respect to look out for, but the actor and director and writer Ethan Hawke, um, yes, has made I'm a movie about Flannery O'Connor, uh, uh, starring his daughter Maya Hawke, which some people might know. Who might, some people might know from um, Stranger Things, um, the TV series Stranger Things. But it's called Wildcat, um, and it filmed in Kentucky late last year, early this year. And the pictures look really good. The stills that have been released look really good. I don't know again what the outcome's going to be, but it's premiering, I think, at the Toronto Film Festival this September, this next month, so I'm looking forward to that. But anyway, um, you know, Flannery O'Connor is controversial. Not everybody loves Flannery O'Connor like some of us do. She can be difficult to understand if you don't kind of understand her theology and where she's coming from, which is a very hard theology of grace, which is means that, you know, God's always throwing grace out to us, and we're always resisting it. And sometimes we have to be literally, like, hit on the head in order to kind of recognize that grace. Um, And one of my favorite short stories by her is called The Displaced Person. Um, And it's about a farm woman in the South post-War II who is challenged to take in a refugee family from some unnamed um, Eastern European country. So we have that conflict between a... Catholic, you know, uh, ethnically Catholic um, family and population, and then this, um, you know, Pentecostal evangelical woman. And it's a long story, but it's very rich, very good, very funny. Flannery O'Connor is very funny. Um, And in the end, we see this woman who has, like I said, been challenged. And one of the things that 
is present in this story that readers will see in a lot of Catholic-themed short stories is the figure of a religious. Um, you know, it can be either a, you know, a priest, nun, monk, uh, who kind of figures as a central metaphor for faith in a lot of respects. In this story specifically, the priest functions as a metaphor for faith in the sense of kind of a solid presence, a solid quirky presence, but a solid presence of uh, fidelity and faith nonetheless. But in a lot of Catholic short stories, you'll see this the figure of the vowed religious functioning as, um, as, as a symbol almost for kind of the struggles of faith that all of us go through because they are a very powerful symbol in their, you know, the, the promises they make and the visibility of their lifestyle. So sometimes that can be controversial in people's eyes, but I think it's a very powerful metaphor that we see a lot. Well, I'm uh, going to just encourage people to head over to Charlotte Was Both, which is your blog, uh, because I'm going to go and see if I can figure out how to find some of these short story collections that you've mentioned, yeah. especially the substance of things hoped for, which has Francois Mariac. It's got Shusako Endo in it. <laughs> like yeah. some of these cool mid-century uh, American Catholic short story collections sound fascinating. So maybe a good yeah. way to get into some reading before the summer officially, or actually unofficially, ends over Labor Day. Amy, Amy Wilburn, thank you so much as always. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thanks, Matt. There are some cool finds on Amy's blog if you're looking for old school sort of buried treasure books. we got another full hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up for most of you listening across EWTN. It's three minutes till. This Wednesday, the 30th of August, let's begin in prayer together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you are the rock on which we stand firm. Uphold those who seek to live justly in places of injustice. You are without deceit. Free those who conceal their hearts in falsehood and betray the trust of others. You alone are our leader. Protect us from the allure of false messiahs. O God of justice and of love, you care for your people in every time and place, despite our tendency to stray from you in our foolishness. Keep us in your care from morning until evening, that we may come to rest safely in the shadow of your all-powerful wings. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. It is a better way to start a Wednesday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show, here on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Well, actually, that's who produces it, but you're hearing it on, I don't know, St. Gabriel Radio, maybe the Covenant Network, perhaps Guadalupe Radio, or Ave Maria Radio, or Real Presence Radio, somewhere amid the hundreds of affiliates. We're glad that you're along. I'm Matt Swain, Anna Mitchell has news, Paul Lockman at the controls, and up this hour, we'll talk to... Uh, Father Philip Michael Tangora, he actually just celebrated his 14th anniversary as a priest, so congratulations to him. Uh, also this hour, Carlo Broussard, Broussard will talk about gender relativism and gender abolitionism, something that 
we're all kind of trying to figure out how to wrap our minds around. I don't know about you, but uh, there's the corporate version, and then there's the stuff my friends struggle with, and it's really hard to figure out how to talk on both levels. So hopefully Carlo will give us some help. Father Philip LeRae is going to give us some thoughts on the World Day of Peace and uh, the message from the Holy Father regarding artificial intelligence. And then Bishop Mikhail Moraidian is going to be along. Uh, he's a Catholic bishop, an Armenian Catholic bishop, who's going to talk about some of the significant struggles that are going on in Armenia right now that aren't getting a lot of reporting. And also, he's going to be presenting for the Institute of Catholic Culture soon, and we'll hear about that. So, Stay with us if you can. Right now it's two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news, a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Good morning. Catholic Charities says they have supplies ready at local parishes as Florida braces for Hurricane Idalia. Catholic schools in the Diocese of Peters, St. Petersburg were closed yesterday and today, and they anticipate schools reopening Tomorrow, catastrophic storm surge and destructive winds are expected in Florida's Big Bend region throughout this morning as the hurricane gained strength. More from Mark Mayfield. The National Hurricane Center says it's forecast to be an extremely dangerous Category 4 intensity when it makes landfall soon. That brings the possibility of catastrophic damage, structural damage, and uprooted trees and utility poles. Idalia has maximum sustained winds of roughly 110 miles per hour. I'm Mark Mayfield. All the students of a Catholic school in Lahaina are alive and accounted for three weeks after the deadly wildfire in the area. Sacred Hearts School burned down in the August 8th fire. Sacred Hearts Mission Church in Kapalua is now temporarily serving as the school campus. About half of the students returned on Monday. The others had moved away from West Maui after they were displaced by the fire. Attorneys with the Thomas More Society are promising to appeal after pro-life activist Lauren Handy was found guilty of violating the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances, or FACE Act. The Justice Department claimed in the suit that she and four others conspired to physically block a late-term abortion facility in Washington in October of 2020. Each now faces up to 11 years in prison and a maximum fine of $350,000. Pope Francis has sent a message to French business leaders urging them to act on behalf of the common good. From Vatican Radio, Eduardo Garibaldi reports. The Holy Father noted that common good is the first word that comes to mind when thinking about entrepreneurs. They are defined as key players of development and well-being, as well as an essential engine of wealth, prosperity and public happiness. The media speak little of the difficulties and pain of entrepreneurs who close their businesses and fail through no fault of their own, Pope Francis wrote. Quoting the book of Job, instructive in stating that success is not directly synonymous with virtue and goodness, and that misfortune is not synonymous with fault, striking even the just. On the contrary, the Church understands the suffering of the good entrepreneur, the Holy Father affirmed, recalling how from the very beginning the Church has welcomed merchants into her bosom. In the Bible and the Gospels, there is often talk of money, of trade, and among the most beautiful stories of salvation history, we also find stories that speak of economy. The Pope cited the father of the prodigal son in Luke 
Luke's Gospel, presented as a rich man, perhaps a landowner, or the Good Samaritan, who could have been a merchant. According to Pope Francis, the way to participate in the common good today is by creating jobs, particularly for young people. Put your trust in young people, the Holy Father urged, adding that every new job created is shared wealth, which does not end up in the banks, producing financial interest, but is invested so that new people can work and make their lives more dignified. You are like Joseph, like Jesus, the Pope said, who spent part of his life working as a craftsman. The world became a carpenter. Without new entrepreneurs, our herd will not withstand the impact of capitalism. So far, you have done some things. Some of you have done a lot, but it's not enough. We are in a urgent period, a very urgent period. We must, you must do more. The children will thank you and die with them, the Pope concluded. I am Edoardo Giribaldi. The Holy See Press Office is clarifying comments from Pope Francis that upset the head of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church. Vatican Press Director Matteo Bruni said the Pope, when speaking to Russian youth recently, did not intend to promote Russian imperialism. The Holy Father said to the, the children, quote, do not forget your heritage. You are heirs of a great Russia, the great Russia of saints, of kings, the great Russia of Peter II, Catherine II, that great and enlightened Russian empire of much culture and much humanity. He said, never deny this heritage. You are the heirs of the great mother Russia. Carry on with it and thank you. Thank you for your way of being and for being Russian, end quote. The statement afterwards from the press director said, quote, the Pope intended to encourage young people to preserve and promote what is positive in Russia's great cultural and spiritual heritage and certainly not to glorify imperialistic logic and government personalities. And there is going to be a full super blue moon this evening. Matt, do you know what a full super blue moon is? Um, is it like a beer? Uh, no. Okay. Okay, so then a I full don't. moon, you know what that is? I do know that. Okay, a I super moon. Yes, I know what that is. A blue moon. Uh... Yes. That's when you get two full moons in a month. Okay. So this is apparently very rare. So I just thought I'd let people know. They can look up and they'll see a ginormous full blue moon. But the moon will not look blue. Okay. Okay. That's all. Well, okay. I mean, that's that's a very important thing to point out. Like, I think people will, will be seeing this and think, I got to... I gotta check out, check out the the moon will be blue, and it will not be blue. Nope. It's just the phenomenon, once in a blue moon, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Although I feel like we've had a couple of blue moons lately, so. Yeah. But yeah, well, that's what that expression means. Well, now you know. Now you know. That moon. We try to keep you culturally aware here on the Sunrise Morning Show. The moon is always going through a phase of some kind. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Philip Michael Tangora. He is a pastor and a canon lawyer from the Diocese of Patterson, New Jersey. Father, good morning. Good morning. All right, so I've been in a lot of dioceses where some strange things have happened, but I can't imagine uh, just how bewildering it's been for people 
in the Diocese of Albany um, over the situation involving Bishop Hubbard over the past couple of months where he announced uh, that he was uh, entering into a civil marriage, and then the next thing you know, he has a stroke and passes away. What was the state of his... Well, I mean, I guess what was his canonical status through the course of the past couple months? Well, it well, clearly not a good canonical status as a, you know. Uh, so the situation, um, as I understand it, is the fact that he would have been, they would have begun a, a penal procedure against him. And uh, the difficulty is now that he has passed, what would happen with that uh, penal procedure. And ever since 897, January of 897, where Pope Formosus was dug up and put on trial, even though he was dead already for seven months by Pope Stephen VI. Uh, and then he was found guilty in that court. And if you could call it a court, and then his corpse was thrown into the Tiber uh, there has been a real reticence in the Catholic Church, as you could understand, uh, to try dead people. Yeah, it's a very, very bad look. And also, it really is. You cannot, <laughs> you you cannot really uh, pass down any kind of a of a sentence uh, either. But at the no. same time, um, there are very real uh, alleged damages done under. The, yes. the headship, the leadership of Bishop Hubbard, and of course we're seeing we're seeing some similar things playing out in the Cardinal McCarrick trial on a, a much different level of allegation, right? And sure, uh, Cardinal McCarrick sure. not being able to be fit to stand trial, and who knows uh, how much longer well, those, he'll that, live. That, and how those play are out, right? those were secular courts. He stood trial in. Oh, that's right. In a cat, all right, he stood trial, and he has been excommunicated, and re, he has been dispensed of the clerical state. He is not a cleric. He is no longer a cardinal or anything of that sort. He is Mr. McCarrick, and he is has has been uh, has forced imposed residence in certain situations, and those are very restricted residences. I mean, he has faced you know it's in essence you know Catholic jail. Um, so he he has faced trial in the Catholic Church and been found guilty. He uh, there's a totally different thing with the civil cases in different uh, states, such as New York, where uh, they found him unfit. Now, there are some precedents in um, Catholic canon law that deal with if the accused is dead. So in that Vadi Makum, the second version that came out in June, uh, 5th of June of 2022, if at some time uh, during the notitia de, de delictio, so that during the notification of the delict, uh, the concern of a cleric who is already deceased, there cannot be a penal trial. And this is because of the right to defend oneself, the right to be heard. The right to defense is something that cannot be dispensed. All right. So if the person's already dead, you can't have a trial against them. Uh, if it's if it's the fact that there was a preliminary investigation and then the person dies during the preliminary investigation, it can be that the trial, uh, the trial has to cease. There can it can no be it, there can be no uh, penal procedure in that case. If an accused cleric dies during the penal process. So that means that they most likely have been heard. 
They have given testimony. This fact then needs to be communicated to the diacastry for the doctrine of the faith. And then at that point in time, it becomes the onus of the dicastery, the doctrine of the faith, to determine whether or not his rights to be heard and defend himself have been fulfilled such that the trial could either go forward or they have to just suspend the trial. That's wild. And it's, uh, yeah, you can see why it's so confusing because when you've got civil courts involved in some of these things along with church courts and uh exactly really really disorienting for someone who's not steeped in the canon law process so then what happens like what's what's going to happen now god god's going to judge him i guess so okay And, and that's the that's the judgment that is truly supreme and that is the judgment that actually affects uh you know the salvation of the soul you know is he going to be in heaven or is he going to be in hell I mean, that's far more significant than whether he's going to be removed from the clerical state. Uh, So uh, I just also want to say that if the accuser dies during a penal process, there is also the fact that um, unless there is the, the trial is then for concluded at that stage, wherever it was at, unless the heir of the deceased, a successor who can uh, speak for them and continue, Mm -hmm. yes, would then be able to continue. So for instance, in cases where a adult who was a child was sexually abused by a priest, then commits a suicide, which unfortunately has happened, it is possible for the aggrieved parents or some other uh, heir to continue the trial. Man, I wish we didn't even have to talk about any of this stuff personally, Uh, but it's uh, just a reminder that there is sin in the world and that there is sin in the church, and uh, we got to pray for people, uh, for victims first and foremost, for perpetrators, for their conversion, for reparations, for all of it. Uh, Thank you so much. Immaculate Heart of Mary. Yeah, right. as we continue and, and close out the month dedicated to her immaculate heart, right? Mother of the church, pray for us. Father Tangora, thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. All right. God bless everybody. 16 minutes past the hour. We're back with headlines right after this. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all-day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, resuscitation of the rosary, a fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org. It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. 
If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. What's stopping you from becoming a Catholic? Why can't women become priests? I don't understand why I have to earn salvation. How is it possible that God created everything? Why do I need to confess my sins to why a priest? Why is the Catholic Church so unwilling to recognize the Catholic Church is too rich? Catholics worship Mary and our community. As far as I'm concerned, all religions are equal. You are called to communion with Dr. David Anders. Today, 2 p.m. Eastern, on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Catholic Charities says they have supplies ready at local parishes as Florida now braces for Hurricane Idalia to make landfall. Idalia. I keep pronouncing the storm's name incorrectly. All the students of a Catholic school in Lahaina are alive and accounted for for three, three weeks now after the deadly wildfire there. And the Vatican has released a video promoting the Pope's prayer intention for September dedicated to people on the margins of society. Well, while we're talking about people on the margins of society, mm-hmm. I want to talk about people on the margins of the church and maybe on the margins of the margins of the people who are in, okay. interested in the church. You know, the Coming Home Network, we get lots of inquiries about people uh, from people who want to become Catholic and many of them find the time of the local RCIA program mm-hmm. and then they uh, just drive on up. And do it, but uh, as John Kramer from the Lego Church Project would remind us, not everybody who wants to become Catholic can drive or has a ride. Oh yeah. So, uh, and uh, we, I run into a lot of them. Uh, maybe they're incapable of getting a driver's license. Maybe they used to be able to drive and can't anymore. Uh, maybe they have transportation issues in general due to misfortune. So, just a heads up to any of you who want to know a handy, easy way. To help someone into the church. Sometimes you can help somebody into the church by explaining stuff. Sometimes you can help somebody into the church by just picking them up and dropping them off. It's a fabulous point, too. It's having an increased awareness of who is in your parish or who, you know, the... I think a lot of times we like to just sit in our same pew and, you know, say our prayers and then get up and leave. I mean, I know that that's, well, I'm trying to like herd cats out of church every time, but to have an awareness of who is there, we need to know um, who these people are because yeah. they're our family. They are our family. And some of them are trying to join the family at a deeper level. So keep an eye out. It's 21 minutes past the hour. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonrisemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track. 
by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The Universal Prayer by Pope Clement XI. Lord, I believe in you, but let me believe more strongly. I hope in you, but let me hope more confidently. I love you, but let me love you more ardently. I adore you as my first beginning. I long for you as my last end. I praise you as my constant benefactor. I call upon you as my loving protector. Guide me by your wisdom. Hold me by your justice. Comfort me with your mercy. Protect me with your power. I offer you, Lord, my thoughts, that they may be fixed on you my words, that they may be about you, my actions, that they may be regulated by you, my sufferings, that they may be endured for you. Enlighten my mind, inflame my will, purify my heart, sanctify my soul. Grant that I may prepare for death, be concerned about judgment, flee from hell, and obtain paradise through Christ our Lord. Amen. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. Twenty-three minutes past the hour. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Carlo Broussard. He's an apologist with Catholic Answers. You can listen to his Sunday Catholic Word podcast at mrsundaypodcast.com, and he'd love to speak at your parish. Invite him through catholicanswersspeakers.com. We're going through his book, The New Relativism. Good morning, Carlo. Good morning, Anna. So we are going to begin looking at your chapter in this book, Thou Shalt Not Say He or She. Lay this one out for us. Yeah, so this is the chapter dealing with contemporary gender ideology. So what we have, I I list a few examples. Uh, There's so many examples, right, in our culture. Uh, But... I chose four that sort of represent the movement, two of which uh, gained quite a bit of attention. You have one named Caitlyn Jenner. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was the one who sort of pioneered and paved the way, at least on the popular level, for everyone within this movement. In 2017, he did an exclusive interview with Diane Sawyer in which he said, for all intents and purposes, I'm a woman. And of course, Mm -hmm. in that same year, he received the 2015 Glamour Women of the Year Award. Mm -hmm. And then we have one named Leah Thomas, who says very succinctly, I'm not a man, I'm a woman. And he thought that was his justification to compete on the University of Pennsylvania's women's swim team. I'm a woman, he said, just like anybody else on the team. And of course, he would go on to represent the University of Pennsylvania at the NCAA Women's Swimming and Diving Championship and was awarded the title. And so these are two that sort of represent contemporary gender ideology within modern culture. And the reason why I bring it up in the book is because, as I explain in this chapter, Anna, I see in these claims by Jenner and Thomas the manifestation of total relativism, which Mm. is the section of the book that we're in right now. The idea that there's no objective truth independent of one, what one 
thinks, perceives, or has a conception of. Okay, so tell us more about gender identity and and what is all encompassed in that, and then how do we expose total relativism in it? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, whenever you encounter these individuals, the question arises, Anna, well, what in the world is going on, right? Why would biological males claim to be women and why women claim to be men, vice versa? But let's just stick with Jenner and Thomas. Well, the answer is that they perceive themselves to be woman in light of their gender identity. That's the lingo. Their gender identity is woman and their gender identity is different than the biological sex that was assigned to them at birth. Now, you might ask, well, what is gender identity? Well, one institution defines it as one's most inner concept of self, as male, female, a blend of both or neither. Planned Parenthood defines it as how you feel inside and how you express those things, those feelings. So notice gender identity is the inner concept of self, the inner sense or feeling of being woman in the case of Jenner and Thomas. Now, we think, Anna, right off the bat, like, yeah, that's relativism, man. What I say goes, what I say mm -hmm. is true, right? Yeah. But somebody might counter and say, well, you can't really say transgenderism and this absolute is associated with a form of relativism because transgender people didn't define for themselves their inner concept of self. Mm. It's not like they're waking up and saying, today, I'm going to be woman. Rather, they discover the feeling of being woman. Oh, interesting. Now, Anna, think about it. There is a difference. It's one thing to discover the feeling or the inner sense or inner perception that I'm a woman, but then it's another thing to make the judgment that the feeling inside is of the kind being woman. And therein lies relativism. Because notice then, Anna, the very meaning of the term woman, the very reality of being a woman is now relative to the individual's subjective judgment of what it is to be a woman. It's so, it's private and not verifiable by anybody outside to determine whether that inner sense or feeling is of the kind being a woman. And so it's entirely private. It's entirely relative to the individual's subjective judgment. So notice here, Anna, we have at least a gender relativism. Mm -hmm. But as you know, Anna, if you give relativism an inch, it's going to tear yes. down the whole darn house. Yeah, absolutely. Because notice, because notice the reality of woman is relative to the individual's judgment, and so is the reality of a man. Well, if the reality of a woman and a man can be relative to the individual's judgment and the inner sense or feeling, well, then what about the reality of age? What about the reality of our biological, our, our bodily conditions? Mm -hmm. What about the reality of our own nature as a human being or our species? Mm -hmm. Once you make the reality of one thing dependent and relative to the individual subjective judgment, then you make the reality of everything independent and relative to the individual subjective judgment. Yeah. And so I give examples in the culture of, you know, um, relativism with bodily condition, with age, with race, with species. And this is what contemporary gender ideology entails, total relativism, and that's what it leads to.
Yeah, I was just saying, we'll unpack more of this in uh, future conversations, but I, I can't remember the person's name, but the, the white woman who, who claimed to be black. I've heard of high school students, like, literally claiming to be toasters. Um, I mean, this... The... The possibilities are endless when you start doing this. You can read yeah. more about it in the new relativism linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Carlo, thank you so much. Thank you, Anna. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. All right. It's half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Catholic Charities says they have supplies ready at local parishes as Florida is bracing for Hurricane Idalia. While their clinics will be closed today as the storm makes landfall, the organization says supplies like ready-to-eat meals, water, and tarps will be available at local parishes starting tomorrow. Catholic schools in the Diocese of St. Petersburg were closed yesterday as well as today. The diocese anticipates opening schools again tomorrow. Meanwhile, FEMA is preparing for the hurricane as the storm is set to make landfall this morning. Trey Thomas reports. FEMA Administrator Deanne Criswell said personnel and resources are being deployed to Florida, Georgia, and South Carolina. The president quickly approved an emergency declaration in advance of the storm in Florida, turning on the many tools that are available at my disposal to provide the governor any support or resources he may need. Chriswell warned residents to take the storm seriously. She said high winds are expected and up to 12 feet of storm surge could hit the Florida coastline. I'm Trey Thomas. All the students of a Catholic school in Lahaina are alive and accounted for now three weeks after the deadly wildfire there. Sacred Hearts School burned down in the August 8th fire. The Mission Church in Kapalua is now temporarily serving as the school campus. About half of the students returned on Monday. The others moved away from West Maui after they were displaced by the fire. Attorneys with the Thomas More Society are promising to appeal after pro-life activist Lauren Handy was found guilty of violating the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances, or FACE Act. The Justice Department had claimed she and four others conspired to physically block a late-term abortion facility in Washington in October of 2020. Each faces up to 11 years in prison now and a maximum fine of $350,000. The Vatican has released the video promoting the Pope's prayer intention for September, which is dedicated to people on the margins of society. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. Let us pray for those people on the margins of society in subhuman living conditions that they may not be neglected by institutions and never be cast out. In the Pope video produced by the Pope's worldwide prayer network, he reflected on the indifference endured by many people who are marginalized. A homeless person who dies on the street will never appear among the top stories of search engines or newscasts, he lamented, wondering how our societies could have reached such a level of indifference. Pope Francis attributed this indifference to a throwaway culture in which millions of men and women are worth nothing compared to economic goods. He said our necks are going to get stiff from looking the other way so that we don't have to see this situation. The Pope then urged everyone to pay attention to people who face marginalization, even if it results from poverty, addictions, mental illness, or disability. In response to such indifference, he held up a culture of welcoming, of providing shelter, of giving a home, of offering love, and of giving human warmth. And Pope Francis concluded by inviting every Christian to pray for those people on the margins of society. 
According to the UN, over 10% of the global population or 700 million people live in extreme poverty. Reports from the World Health Organization say that one out of every eight persons lives with a mental disorder. In a press release from the Pope's Worldwide Prayer Network, the prefect of the Dicastery for Promoting Integral Human Development echoed the Pope's prayer intention, inviting us to have hearts of flesh and not of stone. Welcoming is more than helping, said Cardinal Michael Cherney. It means putting the other person at our level, rediscovering a sister or a brother whom we have lost. I'm Devin Watkins. The Biden administration says it's sending Ukraine $250 million in military aid to help the country's forces fighting to drive out Russian troops. The package includes equipment to clear Russian minefields that have stalled the Ukrainian counteroffensive. It also includes more ammunition for air defense to counter Russian drones and missiles, as well as artillery shells and millions of rounds of small arms ammunition. The Holy See Press Office is clarifying recent comments from the Pope that upset the head of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church. The Vatican Press Director, Matteo Bruni, said in a statement that the Pope, when speaking to Russian Catholic youth recently, did not intend to promote Russian imperialism, but to encourage young people. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. Baltimore Catechism asks... Who can administer baptism? The priest is the ordinary minister of baptism, but in case of a necessity, anyone who has the use of reason may baptize. I was called once, and a man said, My father is dying. He's in a hospital. Can I baptize him? That question was the right question, because the man knew that he had the ability to baptize, and yet he still wanted to see if the priest was able to come, and if not, well, then he would help his father achieve that grace that God offers. And this is something that everyone can do, is open up that door of the sacraments so that people might enter into the church and thereby be ready to receive all the graces that God wants to give. So you can't baptize a person against his will. If he wills it, it's an emergency. You can help him. Let us ask the Lord then to help us to be prepared to baptize in case of necessity and thereby help people reach the heaven to which God calls them. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Philip LeRae from Humanity 2.0, and uh, he has got some great stuff to say about the questions of technology and artificial intelligence and what in the world we're supposed to make of that as Catholics. Father, good morning. Good morning, Matt. 
Glad to be on the show again. Yes, glad to uh, glad to have you back. So, the Pope's theme for the next World Day of Peace is artificial intelligence and peace. And I think it's worth noting that when it comes to this conversation, it's not like the Vatican woke up one day and says, "Well, I mean, technology's and." getting out of control, maybe we should say something about it. There's a long-standing tradition of the Church's commentary on social communications, so I imagine that whatever we get is probably going to be in harmony with that. I think what we're going to see is the Pope's insistence on person-centered AI. So he's said that a couple of times already, and we know that uh, Archbishop Paglia is also homing in on on this idea to put the human person at the center of technology. So you're absolutely right. This is not a new concept. It's been uh, going on for a long time. Uh, But it is, I think, interesting to note that the Pope is actually tackling the issue of artificial intelligence. Uh, And so many people have asked me, oh, what's the Pope's stance on this? And I uh, usually say, well, he has other priorities right now. He's, you know, worried about the peace in Ukraine. He's worried about immigration. He's worried about the ecology. I think those those will be some of the issues he'll mention in his come, upcoming visit to Mongolia. Uh, but now we see that the uh, Pope Francis himself is taking a stance on artificial intelligence. So I, 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 I just think that's very timely, and I think that's what we need right now. Well, I think it's interesting that in every single issue you just sort of rattled off is stuff that the Pope tends to talk about as it crops up in global discourse, uh, they all kind of get answered the same way, which is, well, uh, God made human beings in his image. Let's start with that (laughs) and work out from there, right? Whether that has to do with what we think about ecology or immigration or economic systems or any of that stuff, that's where it all starts, right? I mean, this this is kind of how the church has dealt with a whole bunch of things through the centuries. Yeah, exactly. Uh, obviously, if if we can point to uh, a doctrine or a phrase by Jesus Christ relating to these issues, that's a lot easier because he is the, the center of our faith. Uh, but Jesus never spoke about artificial intelligence. So we have to, you know, kind of come up with uh, with another nuance. And, and I think it's going to be fascinating to see where Pope Francis uh, wants to take the issue. Uh, we probably uh, have an insight to what he's going to say with the uh, document from the Santa Clara University uh, Macula Center on ethics and AI. Uh, they, they just released a handbook about two months ago, which uh, Archbishop Tai from the Dicastery of Culture and Education has endorsed publicly, uh, writing an introduction to that. And, and he himself worked closely with the uh, the professors on on this handbook of ethics and AI. I, th- I think that uh, I, I think that we're going to see some of some of those positions come out in the Pope's message, and and I think uh, we'll probably see the message come out sometime in December. So then we'll have uh, a little bit uh, something much more concrete to, to to talk about. Well, I think it's interesting too that the Church is is usually careful to not. Uh, articulate points of policy that need to be legislated, but more principles that have to be at the forefront of all decision-making, because whatever the Pope is going to say about AI is not going to be directed at uh, a specific specific political process in the United States of America, for example, right? He's got to figure out how how this works for for everybody, (laughs) right? That's a a difficult 
line to walk when you're trying to figure out a principle that will make sense to to all Catholics everywhere, and also a lot of non-Catholics who will also be reading this. Yeah. Um, let me plug a uh, app which is uh, taking the Catholic world by storm these days called Magisterium AI, and you can... Yeah, I'm looking forward to when we can have a full conversation about that one. Yeah, yeah. It's it's now being used by uh, in over 125 countries in 10 different languages. So I'm on the advisory committee of that. And uh, it, it, we, it, it's just it's just such a cool thing. And I think what it sh- this shows us a good use of AI without any, uh, uh, shall we say, defects or disadvantages of for example, ChatGPT giving you wrong answers or making up answers because it doesn't know, etc. The Magisterium AI is trained on a narrow uh, selection of, of documents from the Catholic Church, and it's always going to give you the right answer, and it's going to reference that answer. So a lot of my students are using it, uh, which I think is great. I think it's not going to substitute thinking for yourself, but I think it's going to help the, the students and scholars uh, have access to information, a lot of information. I think there's over 3,000 official documents now, uh, part of uh, part of the database. And uh, yeah, it's uh, Matt. Get on, get online, and and uh, and do some work with Magisterium AI. Well, I'm looking forward to it for uh, for a few different reasons that I hope we can get into uh, in in future conversations. But in the meantime, uh, as we look ahead to the uh, Pope's message for the World Day of Peace. Uh, I Well, I look forward to, to unpacking that as it comes out, but uh, let our listeners know how they can find the Magisterium AI uh, function there. Uh, yeah, it's the magisterium.com, uh, but if you just Google Magisterium uh, AI, you'll, 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 write, you'll, you'll get to the site. Uh, it's free of charge. I think it, they might want to eventually... Um, uh, have people pay a small price to use it, but but it's in a beta version now, and so it's free, and that's very it's very powerful, and it's a way to look at AI uh, and how it can be used for good. Well, I look forward to uh, to seeing how this develops because you can train AIs, right? We already know you can train them to give answers that are sort of counter to to what we believe as Catholics. So, see what happens if we train one to to use only magisterial documents as a source. You know, Anna Mitchell, I was thinking about this. Uh, we already have, you know, sort of nascent forms and examples of this. So if I were to ask the question uh, 10 years ago, how is it possible to know God with only the light of human reason? That's actually a question that's in the compendium of the catechism, that the compendium of right. the catechism is actually answered in a couple of sentences and then referenced paragraphs 31 through 36 and 46 through 47 of the catechism. Yeah. So what if you could just type that question in? Mm-hmm. And then just get the answer? And just get the, just be like, oh. Yeah. Sounds like you're asking a question the church has thought about a lot. Yeah. Here are several documents. I mean, it sounds kind of like a concordance, too. You could kind just, of. You could make a an AI concordance Yeah. in a way. Well, at any rate, I look forward to kind of digging around in that and seeing what we get. Oh, up I know, next, right? Yeah. Yes. Up next, we're going to be talking to an Armenian Catholic bishop about some things going on in Armenia that you might not know about. It's a quarter till. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. 
there is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. EWTN is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. If your cable or satellite provider doesn't carry EWTN's full programming lineup, give them a call and let them know you would like to receive EWTN 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. For more information, go to EWTN.com and click on Television. Tell us how you prepare to go to confession. Share your story today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie on most of these EWTN stations. And now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 13 Till, here's Anna with headlines. Catholic Charities says they have supplies ready at local parishes as Florida braces for Hurricane Idalia, which just was downgraded to a Category 3 storm. The Holy See Press Office is clarifying recent comments from Pope Francis that upset the head of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church, saying the Holy Father did not intend to promote Russian imperialism when speaking to Russian youth. And the Holy See has released the video promoting the Pope's prayer intention for September, dedicated to people on the margins of society. News at the top and bottom of each hour right here on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 12 till. Honored to welcome to the Sunrise Morning Show, Bishop Mikhail Muradian. He is the Bishop of the Armenian Catholic Eparchy in the United States and Canada. Your Excellency, welcome to the show. Good morning, and thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. So you are going to be the speaker for a special event on Friday at the Institute of Catholic Culture entitled starving the christians the armenian genocide today and for listeners this is taking place friday night at 8 p.m eastern it's all over zoom and free of charge to join from anywhere in the world institute of catholic org is where you can go to register to get the zoom link and bishop you know many people probably heard of the armenian genocide which happened yeah. what a little more than a hundred years ago in the world war one era Fewer people probably know that Armenian Christians are in absolutely dire circumstances today. Can you tell us what's been happening? Yes. Unfortunately, the situation is this, that since December 12th, almost eight months, the Azerbaijani government has blockaded completely 
the Armenian enclave of Nagorno-Karabakh that in Armenian is called Artsakh, where 120,000 Armenians, Christians, are living. Among them, 30,000 children, 25,000 almost elderly people, and 9,000 handicapped people. So even the International Red Cross cannot pass through this blockade. People are starving, lack of medicine, lack of food, no electricity, no gas, and no water. And we're hearing already some deaths from starvation. Last week, a man of 40 years old passed away because of lack of nutrition. Uh, there are more than 2,000 pregnant women, and we are already hearing about miscarriages because of mal malnutrition. And two weeks ago, the Azeri soldiers took two Armenian men directly from the International Red Cross ambulances. At the blockade, they stopped them, and they kidnapped both men, and we don't know what happened to them. Just terrible stories, Bishop. I mean, the the human rights abuses that have been going on in these past few months, how is Azerbaijan getting away with it? Unfortunately, with the war in Ukraine, everybody now is preoccupied with that war, and Azerbaijan is taking the opportunity to continue the genocide that their forefathers began some hundred years ago. It's not only Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan is backed by Turkey, especially the president of Turkey, Erdogan. Actually, in 2020, during the COVID period, that the entire world community was preoccupied with what's going to happen with the COVID situation. Right in the middle of the COVID situation, Azerbaijan backed up with full military assistance from Turkey. They attacked this Armenian enclave of Nagorno-Karabakh, and they occupied more than half of the territory. And there is only this little 3,000-square-meter place where these 120,000 people are living, and now they are forcing them, or you live or you're going to die by starvation. And the problem is that our brothers, sisters, the Armenian Christians who are living over there, it's their ancestors' land. It's been more than 2,000, 3,000 years that they are living over there. And what they are asking is only to, to live freely on the land that God gave them. And this is something that, I mean, Sunrise Morning Show listeners will be familiar with hearing about Turkey and the issue of religious freedom uh, concerning Turkey, of course, uh, turning the Hagia Sophia into a mosque, and this specifically targeting Christians. They're specifically targeting the Christians here in Armenia, correct, Bishop? That's right, because Armenia in the region is the sole Christian country in the Caucasus. It is surrounded by, from the east, Azerbaijan, from the west, Turkey, and the south, Iran three Muslim countries, and Armenia is the sole, not only Christian, democratic country in the region. The other countries around it are all dictatorial countries. 
if you take into consideration that Erdogan is power since 1999, and Aliyev, the president of Azerbaijan, has inherited the presidency from his father. Since the collapse of the Soviet Union, 30, 32 years, the same family is controlling everything in that country. And because of the war, Europe needs the gas of Azerbaijan because they have difficulty to have the gas from Russia because of the war. Unfortunately, we don't hear about this in the big news agencies. Political people are silent about it. And the thing is that people are starving to death. Which is just unacceptable. We're talking to Bishop yeah. Mikhail Muradian of the Armenian Catholic Eparchy in the United States and Canada. And Bishop, I don't know if you have family um, that is affected by this. Certainly members of your flock in the United States and Canada do. Have you been hearing from people in Artsakh about the conditions there? What are they saying to you all? Actually, I was one of the first Armenian Catholic priests to go back to Armenia after the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991. And I know a lot of people over there personally. I have a lot of friends a lot of faithful over there. I served for 10 years as a missionary over there. And people are afraid for their lives. It's not only in uh, this Armenian enclave of 3,000 kilometers square. People in Armenia are afraid that Turkey with Azerbaijan will attack and they will take the southern part of Armenia to connect directly, geographically, Azerbaijan with Turkey, because Turkey till now is continuing to have the idea to put up this pan-Turkic ideology. So it's a struggle for, for life that our people are living over there. Unfortunately, young people are dying because they are in the military. Wow. We're speaking about young men who would be the future fathers of a nation. And when you kill the future fathers of a nation, it's a genocide because you're stopping the growth of the population. Very tragic. And if the international community does not react to this, unfortunately, we will be in front of a catastrophe. It's not a new genocide. Well, we are doing what we can to get the word out about it. And I know that your talk over at the Institute of Catholic Culture will get a lot more folks up to date on this genocide happening in Armenia. We've been talking to Bishop Mikhail Muradian, and you can go join in and, and listen to his talk over Zoom Friday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, the Institute of Catholic Culture is linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Bishop, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you, Annie, for having me. God bless you. Thank you so much, Bishop, and you as well. You know, I was hearing from the Institute of Catholic Culture, they tried to advertise this talk on Facebook. The advertisement got rejected because it was too political. So head over to instituteofcatholicculture.org and... Uh, Give the bishop a good audience. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.